0: Dr. Ruth Anderson on the International Angels Network and Enlightened World Network. I'm your host, Ruth Anderson, and I'm coming to you from Colorado. This show has been pre-recorded, so we can't take any callers. Here at International Angels Network, we explore spirituality, angels, spirit guides, our loved ones on the other side, and much more. Our radio podcasts are available to you on Pocket Casts, Pinterest, Player FM, Podchaser, and now Overcast Radio. Listen to us on Alexa and Echo Amazon devices or download the TuneIn app. These are all easy sites to use and make it simple to listen to our archive shows. This episode of International Angels Network is sponsored by Holistic Light Rejuvenation Center. For more information, visit holisticrejuvenate.com. Sunday Sturgeon is the founder and CEO of Holistic Light Rejuvenation Center and is a host on our network. I would like to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen in. This show is called Walking with Spirit walking with spirit means consciously living in the physical realm with frequent connection to the divinity in the spirit realm and being open to all that they want me to experience every day i check in with my guides divine mother and god sometimes seeking guidance sometimes seeking connection and sometimes seeking their healing abilities many days i receive lessons by hearing seeing or feeling signs coming in from the energetic realm. I never know what my day is going to look like or what the next learning might be. I'm an author and a spiritual counselor, providing individualized transformational experiences for my clients using Holy Fire Reiki, energy work, and connection with the spiritual divinity, including the Divine Mother, Archangels Michael, Gabrielle, and Raphael. Tonight's show is the first of our three-week mini-series called Healing from Abuse, A Road to Recovery. This mini-series is a gift of the heart. The idea for these shows came up a few weeks back when I was interviewing a friend and fellow lightworker, Monica Augustine. While she was sharing on the show about the work she does with Reiki, Archangel Michael pressed upon her heart that this was a safe space to speak about her history of childhood abuse at the hands of a family member. At the same time, Archangel Michael impressed on my heart that there were listeners who had been through similar situations and would welcome hearing what Monica had to share. It was then that Monica and I both heard the request from Archangel Michael, that we together record a series of shows about abuse and healing. I know that this gift of love to you is requiring that Monica stretch herself and take risks, perhaps in ways that she never has before. My role is to offer her the safe space in which to do it, and I am feeling the presence of Archangel Michael next to us as we are together today. For any of you listening who have been subjected to abuse at the hands or words of another, please join us Settle in and open your heart to feel these words and the heartfelt connection in which Monica, Archangel Michael, and I are reaching out and embracing you. These shows will be aired on Enlightened World's Network's show called Stepping Into Your Power, because that is what we hope for you, that as a spiritual being having a physical existence, you are able to step into your power. So welcome to week one of Healing from Abuse, A Road to Recovery. This episode is called Boundaries. With that, I would like to tell you about our guest this evening, my friend and fellow lightworker, Monica Augustine. Monica's career passion is to support clients to gain clear insight, release inner blocks, and heal, so they can take positive action to experience the life they desire. She gains information by asking questions, actively listening, and using her empathic, clear audience, and clairvoyant skills. She then uses Reiki to release and clear inner blocks and life coaching to support positive action steps. Monica has training as an intuitive reader and is certified as a Reiki master teacher and life coach. In addition, Monica founded and directed Wildflower School of Voice in Boulder, Colorado for 20 years before selling it at the end of 2014 to transition into her new work full-time. On the personal side, she's lived in Colorado for 26 years, has been married to her husband Kevin for 21 years. Together they have two boys, Greg and Will. Monica loves to be with her family, sing, exercise, and devote time to friends and her spiritual practice. Welcome, Monica. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you so much, Ruth, for having me. So, Monica, for those who didn't hear your story from the beginning on the last show, can you please let us know what abuse you were exposed to, how old you were at the time, and how that
1: impacted you over the years? Yeah, so, so Ruth you know the the first memories I have are my earliest memory is probably the age of three and it went on to probably around the age of 17 three to 17 and I was um, I had experiences of abuse um, sexually for a long period of time um, and then later mentally and emotionally and physically Um, they were it was by different people Um, they were um, different people in my um, adults in my life that um, you know that you hope you can trust and that's what all children look for is to look up to somebody and you know feel like you can trust what they're saying is they have your best interest at heart and in a lot of cases, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. But my first memories were early as three and 17. And that's when I got out of, um, moved out and started, you know, living on my own. And, um, and, you know, then it's a journey, of course, to heal all that. But at least you're out of that and, into something that you can start at least to begin to create your own environment wow so 3 to 17 so
0: really all of your in your formative years
1: yeah it it was a long time and you know it took me a long time to to believe um that happened for for those people that this may have happened to um that's the whole reason for this this uh show is to empower people and to let them know they're not alone and different things that might you know come up and fears and guilt that things that just happen naturally when you're when you're abused and your boundaries are crossed like that especially at such an early age because you don't really have any time really to develop healthy boundaries or healthy sense of self um that can be sometimes that can be um you know it's hard to turn that around you know at all but yeah three to 17 and one thing i want to say to anyone listening to ruth is you know there were also some good memories too it wasn't it wasn't completely like terrible it was like you know i had opportunities to um, do things like I was a cheerleader and I was in gymnastics and track and I, I went to regular school and, and I had friends and, and I had a roof over my head and money wasn't really an issue, um, of having it. It was, but in, and we had horses and things like that. So it was like, this was throughout. It wasn't like all of it was terrible. Do you know what I mean? I just want to make sure that's clear. At the same time, Ruth, there was a lot of um, behind the scenes and, you know, a lot of abuse going on under that. And and uh first of all, you know, as a young person, man, woman, whoever, boy, girl, you really don't want to accept that's happening. And then you also, at least for me, you don't want to think that's happening first of all because you don't want to think that someone you love so much is is doing that because that's confusing
0: mm-hmm. and
1: terrifying and and then also you you think you wonder if every all oh, of this is normal and other children are going through this too and then you also don't really want people to know because when you're abused and Certain messages are giving to you, you think you are the one at fault. So it's it's a very complex situation inside the brain psyche of anybody, you know? So it wasn't I I don't know, it was like I felt some kind of connection, even at a young age, to my higher self, because I heard things and I was hearing other You know, now in retrospect, looking back, I feel like it was angelic. I feel like it was spirit guided. I feel like it was something I could feel. I always felt a lot of compassion, um, even at a younger age, and empathy towards other people. But I also then was aware of my human side. And then as you got older, as I got older, I definitely was angry. But also compassion was kind of confusing, conflicting, you know. I imagine that,
0: plus you were relying on this person I mean that so many yeah. different aspects of this come in on top of each other. I can see where it would be confusing
1: yeah it's really it was really confusing for me, and maybe too um that's different for different people giving their mental, emotional, spiritual, physical what they're here to do in life. I I don't really know all the answers, but I do know that um, different people express these types of things differently. You know, like I know a couple other people that many other people, honestly, now that it's, I don't know, more and more as I get older and I work with different people, it's amazing how many people this has happened to. And I used to just think, Oh my gosh, I wish I would have spoke up earlier and I wouldn't have felt so alone. But it's, it's like different people handle it different, you know, they cope with it, manage it. And then hopefully as we get older, we really want to completely heal it. But, but yeah, it's, it's a very confusing, it was very confusing for me. Cause I wanted love from my family. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to please, and I wanted them to be happy with me. And I think most kids do. I, I would think most kids, you know, want to feel loved by their parents and and that's kind of where my head was was more I want to get along I want to make people happy I want to it was it was very confusing but then I also wanted to feel normal and not let anyone know these things were that I'm no different than anyone else and I can do gymnastics and track and do school and and that I'm strong and like I'm normal you know what I mean so there's kind of a lot going on there, <laughs> All right,
0: so was there anyone you could tell even anyone your own age, or when was the first time you actually told someone?
1: Well, you know um comes to the more the mental, emotional, and physical um, there were other people. You know, Ruth, what I want to do is I want to keep it, you know, kind of keep it just on me because I don't want to bring in other people that might not want this out, that know that this happened to out there. But I'll say, you know, as I got older, I definitely remember the, the mental, physical, and emotional abuse. Like, I remember all of that because that that was when I was a little older, like more like 9, nine, ten, and up up to 17 Um, and there there was also um, some sexual abuse in that time but more the mental emotional physical there were other people that knew but all of us that knew we were kind of told um, that we couldn't tell anyone or we um, would go to jail or it was our fault or that our mother would leave us Um, so these were things that were being told to us and even nine is pretty young for Mm -hmm. nine is young still. I mean, I think 17 is young. (laughs) I mean, it's still like all of it. You're still developing. So we were told these things. And so then none of us really said anything. I think there was a time when we had some courage to every once in a while, we would have, I had some courage to stand up for another. But it takes a lot to stand up for another because you know you're going to get it later. When you're a young person, you know it's very confusing. And, um, you know, stood up, but then it's like you just can't maintain that. Do you know what I mean? When you're a young person and there's nowhere else for you to go. And it was kind of like, Ruth, like you, you, it was like part of me wanted didn't want this happening but I also didn't want to lose my family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was kind of that's where the confusion stepped in for me is like I can stick this out because I don't want to lose my family. Where will I end up and what if what if what this person is saying is true? What if I it's my fault? What if I'm a bad person? What if I go to jail? And you know I didn't you know you didn't do anything as a little kid. So do you know what I mean? Of course. So it's it's kind of confusing but you know, that's, I hope that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. And Monica, you were saying
0: that from when you were very young, you had a connection to your higher self. Was mm-hmm. that a piece of what helped you survive all this? Do you think? You know, I really think it.
1: I always, I don't know, as a young person, though, I had a, I had this awareness of a big heart. I don't know. I just always felt this really strengthened my heart and love for other people, um, compassion. And not that I haven't hurt anyone or I'm not perfect by any means, but I felt that as an overall essence. And it was also confusing. So I do feel like that helps me. I feel like I just always felt connected to spirit and we went to church really early Catholic church. Um, and we went a lot. Um, we were grew up Catholic and I just always felt connected to Jesus, um, and the angels and mother Mary. Cause mother Mary's pretty big in a uh, Catholic religion. Mm-hmm. And I always felt really strong and something just said, you can get through this. You just, this, just, just keep going. I didn't even know young though, what was happening. And honestly, Ruth, going—I um, didn't really even believe it or buy it. The whole thing until a friend said once, "You know, maybe you were abused sexually." I said, "No, that's—there's no way that happened." I just—that no one would do that. I remember the other stuff, but then at 24, I—I um, I, I decided to get a lot of therapy and hypnotherapy, and then everything started surfacing and dreams and memories just kind of started flashing. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that maybe the psyche or spiritually, I'm not sure how that works, but it was trying to hold it to keep it together for me or who knows, I might have, you know, I might have committed suicide or who knows, you know, to where I could get to a place or maybe I could digest it and maybe get some help and stuff you know right. cuz it's it's so easy to suppress those really 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 fundamental um, memories that are they they shake your your ground you know like the sexual was probably um that was that they all have a different way of affecting people for me that affected me a lot on a shame level like shame and humiliation and then boundaries for sure. Um, but the, men, the uh, mental um, was probably the hardest because the mental was when I was older and it was a lot pretty much every day because we lived with this person. He's now passed on. But um, it was brutal messages going into your head every day. Terrible terrible messages, um, that that almost feels like the hardest piece, Ruth, that I, that I think now being 49, I'm, I'm just low, I'm now starting to believe those weren't true,
0: Hmm.
1: and it takes, it took me a long time to believe that, that maybe those were lies, maybe I'm not a piece of crap, and he used the other word, or Mm -hmm. You know, like finding shit in a magician's hat, like that's, he said, what your worth is. And um, Mm -hmm. you're like, um, you're, you know, like finding shit in a magician's hat or um, you're like as important as a pimple on an elephant's ass and just made me look in the mirror and say I'm nothing, I'm worthless every morning before school, before middle school. And this was, this was every he might've missed some mornings because my mom wasn't working those mornings, but it was pretty strong messages. I guess, you know, I don't, and then he was different when my mom was around and, you know, even telling you that much, Ruth, like, I just want to say something to anybody listening that it took a long time, but I do forgive him. And I, and I, I forgive him and because i believe when we hold on to anger even though it's important to go through it i think um it's really important to get that and feel okay because everyone deserves to heal and that anger is a big part of that and um but i do forgive him and and um and i i no longer identify with what happened to me mm-hmm or define myself by what happened to me, and that is where the freedom comes, just so people know the story. This is my story about it, but it's not who I am. It doesn't define me, and now, after years later, I do forgive him, Um, but it was hard, and it was long. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Mm, Yes, long, every day long. Wow. Mm hmm so, Monica, you were betrayed, not only by him, but frankly, by your mother, because she must have had some idea,
1: right? Well, you know, honestly, it's, I I know I, my intention to share this is to help others, but I say, Ruth, it's really hard, it's hard to talk about, because mm-hmm. it's still, even to this day, being 49, and my mom has passed on as well, um, but. You know, you. I love my mom. Of course. And even now, I love my mom, and I forgive my mom. But yeah, I, I, my mom. It, it was tricky, Ruth, because my mom did know. Um, you know, I even told her of an instance that it wasn't me, and woke her up and said, "You've got to get out here." It was for another member of my family that was being hurt, and it, it was, it was. Really hard. It was. It looked like it could actually have ended his life. And I said, "You've got to help him." You. Know, and my mom was a hard worker, and she was a nurse. And and I also think I also think my mom was looking for love too. And a, and a, it was her, you know, looking for love. And I think there was some part of my mom that was unhealed. And she did kind of say, "What did you see?" And I told her, and she did believe me. But I think. My mom did try to help once. She did call a social worker, but then the, the person that was doing it said, If you guys say anything, it you know what's gonna happen to you. And then when you know the social worker came, we said nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. We were all really scared. I, I think one of my family members might have spoke up, but it's really it was really hard, Ruth. It sounds like you know, why didn't Monica why wasn't she stronger? But it's it's so it's so confusing. And then I think it confused my mom and then my mom sometimes I don't I think she had an idea and she ended up she did end up divorcing this person. Um but I think it's then maybe the thing that really struck her is when he actually struck her mm-hmm. that then she realized, okay, this was real this is really happening. And then, and then the kids weren't lying. Um, You know, but I think it was honestly confusing for my mom. And it's so weird when you bring that up, even at this age, Ruth, that I still have this protective instinct for my mom. Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting. (laughs) I wouldn't have expected it to come up, but, but I, I just, yeah I think my mom had an idea, but then it was just she was the main breadwinner she was working hard. It was like she has all these kids i I think my mom made some mistakes for sure Ruth yeah, <laughs> but i my mom i yeah it's it's quite confusing, but i don't know I hope that makes some sense
0: oh well, of course and and yeah. I you know you and I've spoken, and really every person's situation is going to be different. Not only yeah. what they have to live through, but how they have yeah. to respond to it or how they're able to respond to it. And truly yeah. no judgment can be cast on anybody who's gone through something like that.
1: I I agree. And I really do. And I think especially when you're children and you've been, you know, boundaries crossed since the get-go. You don't know what's yours. You don't know what you can say, what you can't. You don't know if you have value or worth. And it it becomes like, you know, it becomes like discernment isn't even a question. You're pretty much in survival mode. And as a kid, you know, kids want to fit in. They want to find a group. They want to feel safe. And a lot of times, children that are abused, everyone's different, but it, it, it really does depend. But a lot of times I've seen, you know, they want to just live a normal child, like not not that there really is a normal, but a, a safe childhood, go home to dinner and, and feel safe at home and have friends and play and have fun. You know, this is what most kids want to do. I would think, and I know I did. You want to play and have fun and, and, uh, be a kid, you know? Of
0: course. And, and Monica, what was your survival mechanism?
1: Um, for me, let's see, um, there, there are a lot of stages to it, but I'd say that when I remember early on, um, like really young, like, you know, around the five-year-old range, I remember, I became extremely empathetic, um empathic. Um my my managing was my mindset was just I wanted to please and make everyone happy. And that that doesn't sound very like managing, but it, it's really what I did. It's kind of where my head was. And then as I got older and I realized, whoa, This, I was definitely aware, you know, you shouldn't be beaten and stuff. This is bad, but I don't know how to get out of here. So then, you know, what it became was, then it became survival. So we were brought up in a home where there was a lot of, there was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of mental manipulation that we went through on a daily basis. So all, like I learned that um, just speaking for myself is, survival. Like I had to be, there was a lot of pitting against each other because that's how this individual learned to feel strong. If I pit them all against each other, it will create weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was very sad. And to this day, you know, a lot of healing in our family now, but there's still a little bit of that, that, um, isn't healed yet. And, you know, we were dealing with someone that was actually very intelligent when it came to um, hurting other people. And I'm assuming he he learned that from his growing up. I don't know about that, but, but I learned to, to work hard, um, try to be the best at everything I could be good at. Cause I didn't want to show any signs of weakness. So I worked really hard at everything I did. I had a lot of friends I was really popular, so I made the outside world my safety zone, like you know um being the best I could, being nice to everyone, and I really did care about people but i i really I think a lot of that was also safety too, do you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah,
0: well, and I've watched you with your own family with your son and your husband and, and other people's kids because of your vocation. And you are one of the most loving people I've ever met. So Thanks, Ruth. I, I wonder if that isn't part of what held you together somehow was knowing that there was love for you somewhere, someday. And here you are living it. Is that healing for you? I'm, I'm guessing it would be. But is that healing for you to have these amazing, loving relationships with your own family now? Does that help heal some of the past
1: for you? Absolutely. Um, my husband, you know Kevin, and absolutely, Kevin is um, he is just an incredible human being. I mean, he's on a strong spiritual path his whole life. Um, he's he's a very devoted person. He he loves me unconditionally. And I don't know if I've ever felt that before. And we've been married now 23 years. And Ruth, his love for me made me realize what love really was. And it his love healed me. I think his love and God's love
0: Mm -hmm.
1: healed me because it's like, I noticed in things I would do in the world and I always saw mercy and grace, God's mercy and God's grace on me. And then I, I felt it. And I was like, Oh my God, that's mercy. That's because I'll share a little more, but like Kevin's mercy and Kevin's grace and his love for me has definitely healed me. And my family loves me and I love them willingly, and And then our close friends, like there's some deep love there. And yes, but I feel like Kevin and God have healed me the most. Like they, you know, Ruth, one thing I want to share with people that are listening is, you know, when, you know, when you're violated like that um, sexually for so long and you, there's no respect for relationships no respect for relationships or love or intimacy or any of that. You know, when it came to men and men, um, all my relationships like with men, I've really struggled with, um, with being faithful because I just, it it was very confusing in my head. Um, Pretty much every relationship. And then as I got older, I re- I started realizing this is not what I want to, how I want to be. This isn't like, um, this isn't what I want to be doing. Why am I doing this? It was just, it's like fear of intimacy. You learn how to break things up. You learn how to mess up things because that's what you were taught. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And, And with Kevin, I really learned how to heal that like heal that kind of thing and heal how I want to be and heal that type of uh, loyalty and commitment and that so yeah but but Kevin's love has healed me so much and he's an incredible person and human being and um and God's love you know mercy is a real thing and so to answer your question, yeah. yeah. Well, and the beautiful thing, Monica, is that so
0: often in other families, the, the cycle of abuse goes from generation to generation. And you stopped that cycle for, your, for you and your family. I mean, your sons know nothing other than amazing love from both parents. So there won't be abuse coming down from their, their side. So that's a beautiful gift.
1: It It is Ruth. It's really amazing. And it's like, cause it does a lot of times it keeps going and I don't know why, and you don't really know why, but I'm grateful that that just wasn't something that was in my mind at all. Like I, like, you know, people say, and sometimes they say in statistics that if you've been abused, you pass it on. I think that can be true sometimes if you're not mindful and if you're not on a healing journey and if you're just not aware. But once you're aware of how much something you do harms another person, it can actually harm their entire life um, and other people in their life. It's you know, I don't know if that was conscious when I was young, but I do know that um I've always been like had this passion for protection of children and just love of children and protection and knowing like none of those thoughts were ever a thought of mine um to ever hurt anybody else like that, mm-hmm. so I'm really glad that that was not my path because um, that would be i don't you know honestly don't think I could live with myself. If that was my path, but I'm just glad it wasn't, um, you know, and given everything that happened, you know, everything's different, but I, everyone's different, but given everything that I, I did experience, I feel so grateful to be where I am today, you know, and the, the, the ways I'm, that I feel I messed up and, you know, I got help for that and healed it and, and I'm good now, you know, but yes, I'm, I'm so grateful and happy to be able to, to, to love and be in a family that's really mindful and aware and healthy, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Monica, you have, you've brought
0: up the term boundaries several times in this conversation what What role do boundaries play when it comes to healing from
1: abuse, whether it's mental physical sexual emotional yeah boundaries boundaries are so interesting because physical boundaries most people most of us are very aware of that, you know or, or at least aware of it, <laughs> like you know it's not okay for people to touch you, of course, not everyone knows that obviously but but that is the truth. Like physical boundaries, like your spatial awareness, um, being touched, being hit is not okay. Being touched is not okay. This physical, right? And those things, um, even just talking to people and if they're too close, you, you know, it's okay to back up, step back and, and make more space for yourself. Um, you know, when you, but anyone listening, you know, Ruth, that has had these things happen that are similar to my experiences are we don't learn that. So we're not taught that. Um, And so even if you're an adult, you still are kind of (laughs) like, you've got to like mother yourself in a way. But boundaries are very important. And they're not just physical, but emotional, mental. um, uh, Sexual seems obvious. But when you're grown up, just know that it's not okay. And I'm so glad in schools today, they are teaching that really strongly now, that you know, in fifth to sixth grade, this is not okay, you can't be touched, you can't, you know, we didn't have those that education um, when I was younger. Um, but boundaries show up in so many ways, and they're so important to learn about them when you've been abused or have had experiences with abuse. Um, and even if you haven't, but especially if you have, because they show up in many different ways and they can affect every area of your life. They can affect even More mild ways that aren't like abuse, but like, you know, overeating, overspending, becoming in debt, um, not knowing like, you know, obsessive compulsive kind of behaviors or, um, you know, things like that. And even with friends, you learn, you know, learn to discern is this a friend? Is this a neighbor? Or is this a friend? Learning the differences between things. And in intimate relationships, it's huge. So abuse is going to, um, you know, intimate relationships are going to be the hardest when it comes to people that have been abused because it pushes all the buttons. It it brings up all the memories and, and you've got to be strong to hang in there and you've got to have a strong partner to hang in there with you. But the boundaries play a really big role. So, I mean, I would encourage anybody that wants to learn about even ways they can affect you mentally and emotionally and socially, they're huge. You know, what you tell people, what you don't, you know, what is private, what is personal. Um, what are some, there's, they come in so many forms. Um, let me think of some other things I struggled with were, um, you know, there's one thing like also, when you're abused, you feel like, oh, everything is your responsibility. So like boundaries, that would be more of a mental emotional area if someone's not happy i always felt like it was my job to make them happy um that's a big boundary it's it's not so much physical but it's more mental emotional and psychic almost and and um it's that over responsibility piece is huge for people that have been experienced uh, abuse so just to learn what is yours what's not yours What's your responsibility? What's not your responsibility? It took me years to learn that, and um, you know, so I don't know. Does that does that make sense, Ruth?
0: Yes, and you know, something you said, Monica, was kind of surprising to me, and I'm I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. You are talking about overeating and overspending as ways that people aren't
1: respecting their own boundaries is that how you were seeing yeah that and coming it's up? exactly and you know Ruth I never thought of it too much as a boundary I just thought oh everybody does that you know everybody overeats and overspends and gets in debt and it's just part of America <laughs> or like whatever right. but then the more That's more, honestly, I feel like it depends on the extreme of it, but for me it was more of a mild. That meant I did a lot of healing to get there, to actually get to see that that was a boundary issue too. So, But when I noticed um, I felt unsafe or scared, um, even though I'm not overweight or anything, but I, I do tend to eat emotionally, and I would just eat. I wasn't hungry, and I would just eat. And then once I started being like, you know, yeah that so ruth i was crossing my own boundaries inside myself and the boundary with ourselves is actually the most important one to learn about because when we cross our boundaries and we lose our integrity even if it's in a small way which i would consider over eating if it's not like you're you're actually sick and diabetic but like Mm -hmm. that's mild it's but it's still you've you've um Disrespected your own boundary, and that's what happened to the people when people are abused when you're younger. So it's almost like you're still doing it in a way. So learning how to respect your own boundaries can really change a person's life because if you're disrespecting your own boundaries, you're probably disrespecting others' boundaries. Mm
0: -hmm. But it
1: doesn't mean you're hurting them like abusing them. But it could mean like here's here's an example, Ruth, that People might get. It's, it's more of a subtle way. I had a show at this really nice place, in a CD release party. I was a singer for a long time, and and uh, it was a wonderful full house, and it was always very excited. And when a, a good friend, that's a great singer, came, and she's, I didn't know she didn't like improv, and that scared her. She liked to know where she was going and where she was singing. And I kept saying to her, "Come on up, come on up." And there's hundreds, a couple hundred people there. She had a bad day. I didn't know that, and she didn't like improv, which I didn't know either, Mm -hmm. and she said no, and I kept saying it, because I thought it was like a nice gesture, like I was like sharing the stage with her, in my mind, I was being generous, it was kind of funny, but um, she said no twice, and I still didn't like listen to her no, and that's kind of a way that I um, crossed, didn't respect her, do you know what I mean? Yes. So it's it's more subtle, but it shows up because that those kind of things can make you not have friends, and people not want to hang out with you or be close with you. Or anyway, it, it's there's like I feel like there's this big spectrum of mild learning mild boundaries all the way up to you know when people are abused. And there's this big spectrum, and but to have healthy family friends and relationships in life. I think boundaries are so important to learn what they are and how they show up in life. Well, and something just came to mind, Monica, which is in
0: order to be aware of your own boundaries, you have to be able to look inward. And I think sometimes people that have been through trauma, it's really painful to look inward. And sometimes it's just easier to keep focusing on outside of yourself. So a piece of that developing your boundaries is being being able to look inward and be able to hold yourself and love yourself in order to see that those boundaries are okay and
1: necessary. That is such a great point, Ruth. It's so true, and that is such a great point. It's so true. It takes a lot of courage to look in. And one thing that comes up is anyone that's going through this and struggling in this way, to know that you're not alone. There are millions of us out there. And to surround yourself, like I started getting help in therapy once I started realizing how deeply this affected me. And then you feel like, okay, I've got support um i'm married to an amazing person that's very introspective like start to support surround yourself by help if you've got a higher help and that's the only way you can trust because trust becomes a huge issue for people that have been abused trust is big mm-hmm. and they don't trust themselves and they don't most likely definitely don't trust others even if it sometimes looks like they do it trust runs deep and um um, but I don't want to get off that topic you said, yet they have to learn to look inward. It takes courage. So they need to recruit help, like people to help them and support them. And the other thing that comes up, Ruth, with that question is a lot of times people that have been hurt in that way and and basically been told it's your fault. This is happening to you and you're the bad one and things like that so that they don't feel so bad for what they're doing is um, then as you grow up an adult, you feel guilty, or I could say I felt really guilty when I drew boundaries and said no. When you draw boundaries, it makes you feel like you're a mean person and you feel guilty. And then it's just, it's almost hard to over... journey requires a lot of support and multiple people if you can, because you're right, Ruth, it's hard, it's easy to just keep like, Shopping and um, drinking, or um, or just focusing outward, it, it in a way it's easier. But then it's going to hit a point. For most people, if they feel like they're in a safe place, they're going to want to get better because they're want to they're going to want to gather back those pieces of their lives that that they want to claim back and step in their power and claim their power back. Because for men and women both, we all need that. To feel whole and live our lives the way we were meant to live them and but support is huge so getting the support
0: how can you begin to strengthen your
1: boundaries well so um, what I did um, and I just want people to know that it takes work it it takes. It takes courage and it takes um, it takes work, just so people know it's not, everyone's different, but it's not like a super easy road. <laughs> but to start to strengthen them, becoming aware that there actually are boundaries is huge. Because there are a lot of women, even my age, that still, and men, that don't know that because they've been through the same thing. I can spot somebody a mile away that's had the same same experiences maybe not exact but there's some been some violation because there's a low sense of um, self-worth and self-value that just shows up in their words and their actions and it's not to be judged but it's, it's an awareness so becoming aware there are boundaries learning about them looking them up if you can hire somebody if you can afford to hire a therapist And and check around with different ones. Make sure you feel really comfortable with somebody, a therapist, but also a healer. Like I work with a lot of people now that have had that happen. Someone you feel safe with. Mm -hmm. Um, Start to recruit that and become aware there are boundaries and that you are entitled to use them. And that's really important that you are entitled to use them Um, because that's going to be the hard part. Even though people know now they know there's boundaries and now they're aware they've been crossed then they're going to have to learn to heal their self-worth enough to use them but these are the steps and um letting go of the need to please others like initially we of course in our work and our family family to feel happy with us and our work to be like helpful not to the point to where you will you will pretty much forget everything you want or feel to make somebody else happy, if you feel that way, it's important to begin to at least think about letting that go um, and then once you notice um once people start noticing you know I'm uncomfortable, I don't feel good, even if it's mentally emotionally spiritually physically uh, religiously because some people at churches go through that sometimes that has happened as well but anytime you feel uncomfortable just ask yourself why do I feel uncomfortable it's like I and if you hear your inner voice say I don't want to do that then don't override it anymore so stop overriding as soon as you can and it doesn't mean you have to be angry at somebody or get mad at them Um, although anger is a part of setting boundaries, but at least start to listen and be aware that, you know what, they can, that person can even say if they don't know why, you know, I don't really know why, but I don't want to do that. You know, I don't really know why, but I don't want to go, you know, or I don't really know why, but what you're saying, I don't agree with. Because sometimes when you're not trained and you don't learn it from your parents that you have a right to speak up. You have a right to say no. You have a right to draw. You, do, you don't even know why you're feeling bad. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah, so those those are my steps, Ruth, to start. Is surround yourself. Get support. Become aware of there are boundaries, and you're entitled to use them. And um, try to let go of the pleasing initially to start. And then start to notice when you're uncomfortable and speak up. And just start to say things. And the the ball will start rolling. And then it does start to unlock memories too. though. So then you want to make sure you have help. Because memories will start to come. And some of them are hard, you know.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's beautiful,
0: Monica. And we don't have time to ask another question, which is unfortunate. Of course, I have a lot of questions. But I am hoping that... Next week when we meet, that you will be able to talk about um, the connection to the spiritual divinity and how how that helped in some of the healing too. That you know, not only is it enough to um, to seek help from a therapist and people that you love, but that there's other options as well. So I'm hoping that gets get. Oh, definitely. That sounds great. I'd love to do that. So Monica, we are out of time here, but I just want to thank you because hearing your story and hearing that you came through it, and not only are you a survivor, but you are thriving afterwards in a love-filled life. um, It's such a gift to us to hear it. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much for
0: being with us.
1: Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Ruth. I really enjoyed it. Of course. So to our listeners, thank you so much
0: for listening in. It is always a pleasure to have you all with us. It is my honor to be among the hosts of International Angels Network and Enlightened World Network. And I look forward to walking with spirit and you all next week. So good night and God bless.